for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Seipt. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ so funky, man. Okay, let's go. The 0-2 Cleveland Browns came into Sunday's game needing a win. They leave Indianapolis 0-3. I'm Stephen Kabitza with the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm with Andrew Seipt. Andrew... What does 0-3 mean for the rest of this season? It means that Hugh Jackson's record as Cleveland Browns head coach is now 1-18. Which is not good. So, no, that's not very good at all. It definitely means that the pressure is going to continue to build until this team can get the monkey off their back of getting a W. Uh, I know last year we saw this team led by Cody Kessler in the Miami Dolphins game and had it been for special teams player of the week last week Cody Parkey not missing that field goal at the end of regulation you know that season looks a whole lot different so that the more they continue to lose you know the the more the pressure mounts Cody Parkey now plays for the Dolphins I believe so that's my conspiracy theory but yeah 0-3 they went into Indianapolis as favorites on the road which never happens they got beat by Jacoby Brissett who ran all over him some quick tidbits really quick Deshaun Kaiser finished with 44 rushing yards, which tied him with Isaiah Crowell for the team lead. Duke Shocker. Johnson, one of the running backs, was the leading receiver on the team for the Browns today. Is is this offense gonna get any better as the season no. goes on, or is it just are we seeing the beginning of the end? For well, any hopes I, of a win? For or? one, I mean, they, if they haven't seen by now that they need to get Duke Johnson the ball more, I, I don't know what else he needs to do to prove that. I mean easily the best player on the offensive side of the ball today for the Browns hands down Deshaun Kaiser had his struggles with interceptions probably the reason why we lost this game today but you know I think last year going back to that Miami game I think this team actually looked better up until this point last year and that team went one and 15 so the only thing I think that saves the confidence or, you know, that gives us something to look forward to this year is the fact that Miles Garrett has yet to make his his debut in the NFL. And Garrett could potentially be back as soon as next Sunday uh, against the Bengals at home. We maybe looked at that Bengals game before today and said, oh, that's that's winnable. And then we got the Jets. Well, the Jets shut out the Dolphins. And, and the at this time of us recording, the Bengals are beating the Packers. We don't know how it will finish by the time we end this recording, but just the fact they're winning now shows that they're maybe not as bad as we thought, and our echo chamber of Brown's optimism might have led us astray. They may not be even seven-point underdogs. They may, be, they may be big dogs even in these games that we thought were winnable. Yeah, it's not a, uh, not a, not a fun situation to be a Brown's player or coach at this point. This game in Indy, I think they're frustrated with themselves because they know they could have won. You know, outside of those two turnovers, those are in Indy territory. That takes away at least six points. So you look at the final score, 31-28. Obviously, things roll a different way if you don't turn the ball over, but you've got to believe that had they not turned the ball over there, the, the Browns are walking out of here with a victory, and I think that's what bothers Hugh Jackson the most. And really getting at the where things started to go wrong – 
think the, the the offense wasn't doing too much at the start of the game, but the defense really just had some bad drives against the well, Colts. Do you wanna do you wanna hear the drive chart for the Browns for their first three? I would love to. It's it's quite comical, actually. So just just as a, a little bit of foreshadowing, their longest drive of the day was four minutes and twenty seconds. Four minutes for the longest drive of the entire day for the Cleveland Browns on offense. That's when you throw the then, ball a thousand times. Exactly. Their second highest, three minutes and 33 seconds. You know, that's a pretty big drop off. And if even looking at their first three, I mean, four plays, 10 yards, punt, minute 57. Five plays, four yards, punt, 333. Three plays, zero yards, 24 seconds off the clock. I have no answer for how they're going to fix this, to be honest with you. I really don't. And one of the main problems, those short drives, uh, did they have eight drops? Was that the final the final yes. number? Yes. The thing that's still mind-boggling to me is that G- Jacoby Brissett made the Browns' defense look terrible, and the fact that the Browns couldn't do the opposite and make Jacoby Brissett look like a fourth-round rookie on a team that's supposed to be one of the worst in the NFL without Andrew Luck, I mean, this game should have gone a completely different way, and I thought I honestly thought it was going to. It's just so frustrating to see this end result because this team, I think, is a lot more talented than it showed today. They really, yeah, Brissett, I mean, he had his, I believe, just one start last year at the Patriots. But, I mean, he looked composed. He, his two, he had two rushing touchdowns, I believe. Untouched. Absolutely yeah, Two untouched. rushing touchdowns. No, the defense wasn't even close. You had a few plays. I remember one. The safeties were over pursuing when they came in from 90 yards back they would just whip peppers did it a few times it just speaks to the awful defensive start that they got as a whole i mean yeah they lost the game technically in the fourth quarter but looking at halftime had it not been for that miracle two-minute drive by kaiser i mean arguably the game was over in the first half the browns looked absolutely deflated you know ty is taking the top off the defense and what's supposed to be jabril peppers playing back for that specific reason i mean they ha- he had seven catches, 153 yards, one 61-yard touchdown, constant big plays. I mean, even in the first half alone, that 61-yarder to TY that I mentioned, 34 yards, 31 yards, 25 yards, 20 yards, all these big plays that you know all came in the middle of the field, which is something that teams are obviously now starting to catch up on with this Browns defense. Yeah, they gave up 28 first-half points. And like you said, if not for that big you know, touchdown at the end of the half by the Browns, game's pretty much over i mean it seemed over when those interceptions were thrown too but that's why it's so frustrating because they were able to cut it close i know the game plan for the colts changed when they were up by so much they're up by 17 and they may have let off a bit on defense and offense but you get so mad it's you see all these losses and it's like oh it's only a three-point loss but as i remember that game was kind of horrible it's like if you just don't make these big mistakes or give up 28 points in the first half. That's it right there. Because it, no matter, like, so like you said, the score reflects 31-28. But when he throws those picks, I mean, it's, what was the, what was the 31, it was 31-14. And at that point, I mean, he had thrown two interceptions. And this is after the Browns had scored before the half, then stopped the Colts on a quick three and out to start the third quarter. You're really thinking, man, we can, we can make some noise now. They, were, they even got a turnover after I texted you and said the Browns are going to force a turnover this drive. They forced Jack, Jack Doyle to fumble the ball. You know, another chance for this Browns offense to score, and it's, it's squandered by Deshaun Kaiser throwing it to the other team, which, I mean, segues us into our next 
kind of storyline to touch on after this game. His first quarter stats, one for six, eight yards. He's getting heavy, heavy pressure every time he drops back, it seems like. You know, is this still uh, attributed to the offensive line, still gelling, do you think? Today was different because it did seem like there were some more problems with the line. Kaiser was noticeably holding onto the ball too long like he's been doing. I don't even think it's the line gelling. I think it's just they're not as dominant as we thought, or the running backs are missing some blitz pickups. Kaiser's not calling him out and changing the play. I think it's a lot of things, but I don't think it's really the line not gelling. I think it's just they're getting overall just beat. That's that's fr- that's even more frustrating. I'd rather it be, you know, them not gelling than it just be pure lack of ability. But it's just frustrating to watch something that was supposed to be such a strong point of the point of the off season, you know, not not necessarily panning out the way they envisioned it. So just moving back, you know, those those interceptions are absolute drive killers. It, like you said, takes the Browns right out of the game. And I actually made a, uh, a note here at eight minutes and 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter. He actually threw the ball away while rolling out. He, he actually threw it out of bounds instead of holding on to it and taking a sack. Because early on, I saw him do it again, rolling out to the sidelines and, and literally just tuck the ball instead of just flipping it out of bounds. I I don't know what's maybe it's still some rookie jitters, but. There's got to be a way to fix that if you're Hugh Jackson and Sean Kaiser. I don't know if he's afraid of potentially getting intentional grounding penalties. I don't know what the deal is because you see Hugh, every time Kaiser holds onto the ball and takes a sack, they show just a disgruntled Hugh Jackson shaking his head like a disappointed dad. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And there comes a time where it's, you know, I believe a lot of fans are frustrated with the coaches and Hugh Jackson, but. When a quarterback's just not throwing the ball away, it's not really on the coach. And when receivers are dropping the ball and at the line, people just whiff on blocks. Well, it, it also stems back to you know, just the, the fact that Hugh Jackson continues to just dial up pass after pass after pass after pass. And I understand that you're down 17 points with like 10 or so minutes to go because that's the only way you're going to get back in the ball game. At that point, the game's over. But even early on, you know, early on in the third quarter, they're just continuing to pass, continuing to pass. I have a, an underlying thing here, you know, Kaiser scrambling and not throwing the ball away, taking a sack defensive holding wipes out that sack. But then again, they followed it up with a, a fumbled exchange on the snap with Duke Johnson. He's intercepted at the five yard line after that drive. And that's right after we get a nice stop coming out of the half. It's just, you can't do that. He can't throw the ball to the other team when you're in their territory because it ends up costing you in the long run like it did today when you look at their drive charts the re- and you mentioned the short drives it's you want obviously you want to score as much as possible as often as possible but if you just have if you have all these punts and then oh well we had then we had two quick touchdown drives it's almost better to try and just build a drive through running and passing play action as opposed to just, all right, we're down 17, quick fire. Because we don't yeah. have Tom Brady. We no, don't have – and it's not a – they don't have the weapons to do that. They don't have the quick receivers. They had eight drops. Yeah, that's another number that is just absolutely – it's staggering, the fact that you drop eight balls. Uh, the the amount of offensive pass interference, too, was, I think, a little alarming. The constant pick plays and – uh, like rubs in the middle of the field didn't 
obviously didn't fool the referees. I think DeValve had a giant gain. There were a couple of big gains wiped out by those offensive pass interferences, and the Browns can complain all they want, but that's probably the reason why those receivers were so open. I mean, speaking of those drops, Ricardo Lewis dropping that one down, deep one down the sideline. Kenny Britt drops one that ends up turning into an interception. Part of it's on Kaiser, part of it's on Britt, but man, these receivers just continue to not make plays. How do you think, you know, how do you think they're even going to address this situation in, in the middle of a season, let alone in the off season? The free Josh Gordon movement's going to keep building. He's going to. The worst part about that is if he is allowed to play and the Browns do let him play, he's going to end up looking like a savior which only inflates the already giant ego of someone who isn't allowed to play football because they just can't stop smoking marijuana. So good for the good for Josh might Gordon as if well, he gets reinstated. Might but, as well uh, bring yeah, him honestly, back because as long as he doesn't drop the ball. Yeah, honestly, I'll take him back at this point. I've been against it because I just don't think it's realistic. But at this point, we need somebody for to catch the dang football because no one is right now and the problem no is, is the even i mean look at the colts they have ty hilton dante moncrief the browns next week they're probably going to have a new set of starting receivers Corey coleman's out he's supposed to be one of the top guys so understandably they have to do some shuffling but you had higgins as a starter this week is he going to be the starter again are they going to bump leslie up jordan leslie had the best catch of the day and then was never seen or heard from in the rest of the game and i don't know if that's the fact that he's not in that group of receivers that's typically on the field, but you know, it's his only get target. that guy on the field more. Just get him on the field. He's got to be better than Kenny Britt or Rashard Higgins. Rashard Higgins was awful today after following up what was probably the performance is going to be of his career. He follows it up with all these drop passes and offensive pass interference calls. I mean, just put somebody out there that's going to make a play, for goodness sakes. Yeah, you had Higgins had six targets for two catches and 10 yards. Ugh. Ricardo Lewis had six targets, one catch, 10 yards. Leslie, oh, one target, one catch, 26 yards. That, when Leslie made that catch, I was happy, and I was happy for him. But it's just so frustrating because it's why did we have to cut him to bring in three other receivers who aren't even playing? Well, Casey Williams had a catch today, but you know what I mean, like playing consistently. He, a, he also had an interception, too. He was the reason. I mean, a miscommunication between him and Kaiser, that's part of the reason why that interception got thrown in the red zone. So back to your point, I mean, it's just something else wrong with this wide receiving core that can't get this offense moving. Maybe they should have kept Richard Mullaney. Maybe they should have. He probably knows the playbook. I, it's just so frustrating to watch, and we've said it multiple times already, but it's just these wide receivers in general. There's so many teams that just find third, like slot receivers that come in and make an impact. Like a All Jordan Leslie place. type player. Adam Thielen. I mean, look at Minnesota, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen. None of these guys are big first round picks. How can the Browns, how have they gone so long without drafting a, an eligible receiver? I mean, even dating back to what? Brian Robisky, Muhammad Massaqua, Travis Benjamin. Who else? Vince Maley. I saw him on special teams for the Ravens today. That made me feel good. Sammy Coates, they acquired him. He's hurt. He's He hasn't played yet. So, I mean, I think they're truly running out of options at this point. My problem with the addition of three receivers after cutdowns, obviously we got Coates in a trade. But so the other two, you get these guys who were let go or didn't make their final roster and you bring them in like, oh, these are our missing pieces. And it's, well, if they, I know there are good players who get cut for contract reasons, for age reasons. But 
you have these guys you're working with in camp, and you know maybe if their skill level's not as good as the other guys that you're going to bring in, but if they have that chemistry with the quarterbacks and they know the playbook, they've been there since March or even earlier, is it really worth it to bring in new guys and then you have to have the coaches working double time just to teach them the playbook? No, my, my biggest fear is that the Browns front office is not uh, not very good at evaluating talent. And like I, like we've said before, I think it's very evident in last year's draft versus this year's draft. Looking at the production, I mean, Miles Garrett is a no-brainer there. I think you were. I could have made that pick at number one. But Najoku had a touchdown today. Look, again, looking like a threat in the red zone. Jabril Peppers did have a really, really rough game, but we like what we've seen from him. Looking at last year's draft class, I mean, you haven't seen anything from Corey Coleman. It just really makes me start to question, you know, this front office's talent evaluation. You know, they brought in four quarterbacks for whatever reason, end up cutting a guy like Jordan Leslie. They cut Rashard Higgins, and then he was their leading receiver last week. Like, where is this front office really going to make a – like make themselves look good. I just, I don't see it coming from anywhere. And they're not a team, you know, analytics isn't going to say that they're going to take a guy like Saquon Barkley at the top next year or receiver, you know, it just doesn't value those type of, those type of players that early in the draft. And looking at how the Browns have played three weeks so far in this season, they're going to be pretty high up in the draft again next year, it seems. My fear is the same as yours, that they make all these moves and, Obviously, kind of barring the Garrett pick, that's like a no-brainer. But they make these certain picks later on or even in the 2016 draft or they bring guys in and it's, oh, well, we brought them in for this, 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 this. And it's, well, if they, they're not winning with them. Well, now let me ask you this question. Seeing as how T.Y. Hilton basically went off for whatever he wanted today, would the Browns have been a more competitive ball club early on in this game had they had Joe Hayden on the roster? I don't think it would make a difference. You don't think? I don't I, think. It I would mean, make, Joe Hayden's a little bit faster than uh, Jamar Taylor. I don't think or, it would. It, they would have won, but maybe I mean his experience would have helped. But I don't think it would have been like the major difference. Yeah, I mean, maybe he helps out because I know. Jamar but he was Taylor also a didn't captain. Even run. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Probably a motivational leader on that defense. But look at the effort Jamar Taylor gave on that 61-yard touchdown to T.Y. Hilton. I mean, he was jogging alongside him, and then he cut across, and it, it looked like he wasn't even paying attention to the play. And that's the guy that we extended because – or that made Joe Hayden expendable. You know, it's – some of these decisions are looking like they're backfiring early on, but as, the, as is the NFL, next week he'll make a big play and we'll praise them for, for extending him. So just a frustrating week this week by – even by Brown standards. The biggest hope next week is that Garrett comes back at home and makes some big plays. They pull out a win, and it's, you know, bad start, but finally got that win. We could finally start talking about some positives. But even if he comes back and plays well, but they lose, it just gets more and more that fear of schedule's going to get a little tougher. Josh McCown's coming to town. He's, he already has a win. They're one game back in the division. He's out for blood against the Browns and his former team. Josh McCown comes to Cleveland and beats the Browns. That is going to be objectively funny, but we won't be laughing because we'll be upset. But on a bigger view, it'll be kind of like, man, even Josh McCown <laughs> had the curse. He's better than Deshaun Kaiser? Isn't that sad to say? He, you, he, I want to bring up something you texted me during the game. 
And I didn't respond because I was eating my meal at <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings Beer Sports. Um, you said, I think Kevin Hogan is better than Kaiser. And what I would have said to you, but wasn't eating those delicious Chipotle barbecue wings, <laughs> is I think right now, based on his knowledge and his little bit of experience, Hogan might perform better. But I think overall, Kaiser's a better quarterback. I think it's just all the moving parts of the offense and everything. He's just not up to speed yet. So I think overall, as a quarterback, Kaiser's better. But with the fit with his team and the, what he has to work with, I think Hogan might perform better for now, but not like in the long run. So do you play – so next week, do you play the better or the worse quarterback? I mean, right now – I'm not getting paid the big supposed to play? Aren't you supposed to play the, pay the, play the best quarterback that, like – that's going to win you a game or that you think gives you the best chance to win. Well, I think they're in too deep that? now with Kaiser. I think he's already committed. He said he's our quarterback I for agree, the season. I agree. But at some point, in I a mean, perfect world. Yes. To be fair though. I mean, obviously I was reactionary. I think that was to the second to show Kaiser interception. No, in the I know. Zone, it, or maybe the goal. It was after one. I texted you and said, or you texted me a score prediction. I texted you a much worse score prediction. <laughs> exactly. But even still, I, I, Kevin Hogan threw that interception right after they were gifted field position against the Ravens. So it's not to say Kevin Hogan would do better, but I just think in terms of decision-making, I, I think Kevin Hogan might be a little bit more efficient than what De- Deshaun Kaiser was, at least in the red zone today. That's for damn sure. He just Did you? tries to force passes that – and we say, oh, it's a rookie, it's a rookie, but it's just, they're just not there. It's not, he's not as accurate as he needs to be with the football. And it's even on some of his completed passes, you know, it's, he's got to be able to put him, put his receivers and he, he had a great one to develop. You know, my next question to you was what positives did you take from this game? And I think there were some throws that, that Deshaun Kaiser made that looked good. However, I mean, the worst, the worst of the throws ended up costing them the game. So it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little, a little bit. Yeah. Aside from a few bonehead penalties, uh, the play to valve was really good. Duke Johnson, in his limited action, his six receptions and two carries. Awesome touchdown run, by the way. Or was that a – that was a run. It was a yeah, touchdown was a run. run, yeah. It was out of the, out of the shotgun. Uh, should have awesome. had a loss of a few yards, and he busted off for a 19-yard run and a crazy dive. I think it's a perfect time to – I think Duke Johnson is worthy of our, our first ever game ball. Did we do game balls last week officially? We did a, or did uh, we still do a pseudo game ball. It was who would you give some to. Okay. I say Duke Johnson th- gets this week's game ball. Easily. Because Easily. he put his body on the line to score a touchdown that honestly didn't mean much in the grand scheme of the season. Well, it means a lot to him because exactly. I think that's he's the running back that they're going to sign over Isaiah Crowell come this next offseason. Because so. they are icing out Crowell. Direct it's orders from above, no more than 12 <laughs> carries. If he gets close to 100 yards, put in Duke. Man, and of all games, I honestly didn't think this one was going to be such a negative game script, you know? Looking at Indianapolis on paper, obviously you see T.Y. Hilton, but you don't expect Jacoby Brissett to be dialing it up long range like that. And even if you do, I mean, you've had Jabril Peppers back there for so long. That's that's why you were so confident that T.Y. wasn't going to be able to beat you because you have Jarrell, or Jabril Peppers sitting back there trying to defend against those type of things. But, man, did he have a rough day today. And not to mention he calls a fair catch there <laughs> at the eight-yard line I don't with know 23 what that seconds was. left. I just don't think – I think he was – just having a rough game. Hopefully he bounces back against Cincinnati. I was I brought this up during the game. I said, you know, the problem with Peppers is he's a 21-year-old a who they're making him do everything, and he's essentially the 
captain of the backside of the defense, and it's he's learning on the fly as a guy who played linebacker in college. Like, all right, yeah. lead the secondary now, and he stands back there all by himself and is trying to scan the whole field. And it's just it's going to take him some time. When you see him over pursue on plays, I think it's he's so far back that when he sees someone kind of bust something open, he's like, "Oh crap, I got to get up there before this play gets too big." But instead of yeah. just accepting it's already a big play and making the tackle, he tries to make the super play, which I think as time goes on, he will will not do that. But I understand. But yeah, that fair catch, another kind of lack of experience play. He knew it though, right after he did it. But yeah. Just touching back a little bit on their drive chart, because something I was reading in my notes kind of spurred a, a little bit of a point in me. I mean, looking at their possessions in the third quarter here, we've got, oh, hold on one second. We've got punt, interception, punt, and punt. And so the Browns are coming out of halftime with a 14-point lead, or 14-point deficit, excuse me. And they need they just scored at the end of the half. They're building, kind of trying to build on that momentum, force a really nice three and out with Indy. They've got a seven-play, 41-yard drive going, and then they throw an interception. Then they get another or four. They give up a first down, another three and out. They're punting it right back again. Like, they can't take advantage offensively of what this team is giving them. You know, they had a – Indianapolis had a fumble later on, too. They still couldn't capitalize it, capitalize on it. So the defense in the second half, I think – played a a complete 180 compared to what they did in the first half but the offense stayed pretty much the same and I thought that the second half is supposed to be all about you know second half adjustments and I I just don't see any of those from Hugh Jackson I did notice that where obviously they had a little deficit to make up 14 points to start the half but there's no real shift in the play calling and sometimes that's a good thing for certain teams it means that you're not panicking but no real changes. I mean, guys are st- still dropping the ball. The players don't even really make any adjustments. I think Hugh. I think Hugh was definitely panicking because. No, I that's just, what I'm I just saying. Don't see. Yeah, I just don't see the runs from Crowell. You know, I don't. I don't see the play calling. I see pass, 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 pass. One run on their first drive coming out that led to an interception. Let's see one run then two passes on their next drive, then another interception, pass short left, another pass, you know, off Kenny Britt's hands for an interception. So, I mean, at what point, the Ravens were down 23 nothing today, and they were still running the football. They were still running it. I think Hugh Jackson would get down 7 nothing and think that he's got to get, you know, seven points right back so they can establish With a, a rookie quarterback, just, too, guys, and his receivers drop every pass. It, no one is doing and this isn't letting Deshaun Kaiser off the hook, but nobody is doing him any favors, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the the wide receivers. The only person that is helping out Deshaun Kaiser is Duke Johnson. And that's, that's frustrating when, especially when one of your head coaches is the one that's not setting him up for success. Yeah, Duke Johnson's the best player on offense. Uh, and he's a running back who gets two carries, but leads the team in receptions. Unbelievable. And he, he only just, gets two carries. And one of his runs was a crazy touchdown run. That was that. La- that was last week too, right? He had a crazy run, and the next play was just. Well, yeah, they got down to the three, and then he ran the the draw and quarterback, the quarterback design run, and you know it's really interesting watching a guy like Jacoby Brissett that can take off untouched for virtually the easiest touchdowns of his career, but a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, you know, is constantly under pressure. Just looking at the two defenses, Indianapolis and Cleveland, 
they're Jacoby and Deshaun are both mobile quarterbacks. So why was it so easy for Indianapolis to keep Deshaun Kaiser bottled up to an extent versus Jacoby Brissett, who's just able to run freely around the goal line? I don't know if the I, it's tough for us to tell because we analyze the Browns game so hard. I don't know if the Browns pass rush is pass rush is so non-existent. It's not there at all. And I don't know if the ones we're facing are just a normal one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's just normal pressure. And we're like, oh, he's always under pressure. Maybe that's, like, supposed to be a normal amount of pressure you see during a game. And it just looks like a lot to us because the Browns never pressure the opposing quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm following you now. No, the Browns defense has yet to get – I mean, they had three sacks today. But none of them were really – like, I think Kirksey had one early in the game. None of them were really at a big moment. You know, it was just there were so many drives back and forth between both teams that it it truly wasn't a decisive factor in this game. But you've got to think that the, how aggressive Greg Williams is, that they've got to put a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. And when they do, I mean, they get burned. So it's, uh, it's just frustrating. You know, see the safeties come in for a blitz and then just no pressure. No. Maybe Miles Garrett will help change that. I forgot that Jamie Collins was out this week, too, so that hurts a little bit. James Burgess didn't look too bad. I saw him, you know, I saw him hurry the quarterback a few times. But if you're unable to get a pass rush on an offensive line like Indianapolis's, which is notoriously terrible, dude, like, look at Andrew Luck. He's still out from just being. They can't even keep him murdered by. Yeah. So the fact that you're not able to get enough pressure on Jacoby Brissett to bother his throws and let him light you up like that is is a, a tad concerning for me. It wasn't even that they weren't – I guess my thing is it's not like they need to rack up six or seven sacks. They just need to get him moving in the in the pocket. Yeah. Especially a guy like that who's inexperienced. He showed up in Indy three weeks ago, and he's looking like he's a legit NFL starter, which he could be one day. I'm not saying he's they not. They should have won last week too, and they, they, couldn't close it out, or they couldn't close it out last week. They should have beat Arizona, too. I mean, obviously, you see that game against the Rams looking like a little bit of an outlier, but maybe this indie team's either not as bad as we thought or the Browns truly are worse than we all anticipated. I'll say something that scares me. I think that the Browns are just worse than we thought. Because I remember uh, saying, yeah. remember last week, I was like, man, you know, I thought the Ravens just weren't that good, but they're pretty good. They went to London and got destroyed by the Jaguars. Embarrassed horrible game like man maybe the ravens really aren't that good but the browns are just that bad they're at least right now that bad yeah that's part of the reason why i changed my pick you know i was sitting on my couch saturday and i'm just just looking at some of this preview stuff before the game and on paper i mean indianapolis just looks like a better team than the browns you know there's really they're very similar but the obvious difference for me is the wide the weapons that Jacoby Brissett has even with Frank Frank Gore is a better running back than Isaiah Crowell right now probably statistically so I mean every facet of their offense is better than what we have and they have a guy that can beat you at any moment and T.Y. Hilton certainly proved that today well just look T.Y. Hilton gets 153 yards the Browns leading wide receiver was Kenny Britt with 54 yards Duke Johnson had 81 as a running back, but I'm saying from the he wide receiver have, group. And then Seth DeValve, who's technically a tight end, was second behind Britt. he did Britt. have a nice touchdown catch, though. He did have a nice touchdown catch. I'll give him that. Oh, Britt had a great touchdown it, catch. Probably saved his job. But then didn't he have a 
he did something later in the game. Maybe it was that interception. Well, he that, had the ball. There was a pass kind of behind him, but he's still got to catch it. Although I was reading something. Um, I believe it might have been Zach Jackson who wrote that. May, I believe it was him. I'm not positive. But that Kaiser is just throwing fastballs in there. And if it's behind you, you and the ball's coming in that fast, that's maybe why we're it. seeing so many tip passes. Oh, isn't that so weird that we all dog Deshaun Watson for not being for not having the most miles per hour when throwing a football and that's why he wasn't going to be a good NFL quarterback well he almost beat the Patriots today which he should have marks he should have yeah it marks the third week in a row that my lock to pick <laughs> my lock picks ended up winning but barely squeaking it out my lock <laughs> Atlanta, lost Atlanta who, who'd you who'd you I pick had as the Steelers lock? as my ESPN eliminator pick week wow. three I'm done everybody oh that stinks everybody did I'm sure I'm sure you weren't the only one I'm sure a lot of people Miami had Miami too over the Jets. Wow, that was a that's, that's true. A tough one. They didn't the get Bill, shut out. Denver though. over the Bills. I mean, look at how good Denver was last week, and the Bills beat them this week. This so. is a classic beginning of the season where it, the Patriots are still dominating, but every other team is struggling, and the Browns are also struggling. You know, we haven't said much positive about the Browns, but just even noting those points like that. Next week, we could totally come on here after, you know the Browns could go out and win 28-21 and play a great game, and, and our tune has totally changed. The NFL is so week to week that one week this player is the next big thing, and the next week he's absolute garbage. So that's just the world of sports that we live in, too, with the 24-hour the news cycle. So while I'm very disappointed in this outcome, you know, next week's a new week, and it's not like we expected them to go to the playoffs. So as long as they're able to eliminate some of the mistakes that they made from this past week and translate that into – Hopefully a better performance next week's get next week against Cincinnati. Then I guess that's I guess that's what all all we can hope for at this point. I'm feeling the same way. After they lost, I wasn't as you know it, it wasn't like the you know week one when they lose. It's always very sad because it's yeah. man you know new season bad loss. Even last week I thought they would win. Maybe I was a f- foolish fan, but even that I was like Ravens game. But now when they lose to the Colts. Maybe they're just not that good, and I'm going to have to accept the fact that just a few wins this year is all we're going to get. I'm not saying that's okay. I think that that will involve some changes probably after the season, but there's just not that doom and gloom because, like you said, they could come out, and if this Browns team picks up four or five wins and some are exciting, that's pretty much the best they were going to do anyway, which yeah. is so sad I, that that's, what, that's our saving grace. Hey, four wins. I guess we said that last week, too, after getting throttled by the Ravens, so maybe we'll, keep, we'll have to keep this optimism tempered for the time being. But I know I'll be back next, on next Friday's podcast, excited as ever, that they're going uh, to beat Cincinnati at home. Oh, the natural cycle is once Thursday night football's on, it's, <laughs> oh, football's back. All right, are yep. the Indians winning? Totally forget about last week. <laughs> yeah, we had a great so. Thursday night football game this week, or last week, I guess now. Yeah. It's well, it's going to be, let's just say the podcast on Friday. It's going to be a lot of optimism. Easy Browns lock. I I don't think you're right, though, because <laughs> as I mean, Cincinnati's up 21 to seven on Green Bay in Lambo at Lambeau Field right now. So definitely something to keep your eyes on for next week is how good the Cincinnati team looks on offense with their new offensive coordinator and how that will play into Greg Williams' defense. More coming with that on Friday's podcast. Man, I'm already excited. Talk about a teaser. We are so bad because we get, <laughs> we get ourselves excited. I'm excited now. I'm like, man, the Bengals, they stink, right? Browns at home, 
Garrett well, I don't back. think my mood's not that bad because there, I'm still winning in a couple fantasy leagues. I'm probably going to lose, but at this point, I'm still winning. So maybe I'll squeak a couple victories out, but it's not looking good. So maybe that's the reason for my optimism moving forward. But nope. man, we'll have to cut it, cut this up before we go. Man, well, if you look at the schedule coming up, you know, I'll just play the. I, I said five wins, and this Colts game was one win. So maybe that knocks it down to four now as potential. It's only been three chances, weeks. So. I know. They're Man. already down one win. So uh, on to next week. On to next week. We'll be back Friday. Subscribe to us on iTunes so you can get this episode delivered right to your phone. Maybe you did. Maybe that's where you're listening. Get Friday's episode right to your phone. Wake up to it. Have a fun drive to work. Hear some Browns optimism. Andrew, any final thoughts optimistically about this Browns team? I really wish there was a Andre not post game press conference that I could listen to, but alas, we don't. We all don't get what we want, so I'll have to wait until next week. <laughs>